Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello. And good morning. How are you this morning? This bright and sunny. No, it's uh, it's still dark. It's still cold, but it's uh, 2024, baby. Are you ready? Oh man, I'm white and I'm bright and woolly. I'm white and woolly, boy. It was, I, t- I tell you, it's hard getting up this morning. <laughs> the first day, <laughs> I did pretty good the first couple weeks, keeping my sleep schedule correct. And then my daughter bought me a video game for Christmas. That man, what do you mean it's two o'clock in the morning? I should go to bed, you know, kind of thing. Oh, it was so much fun. Anyway, hi, welcome to it. I don't have much time. I got to dive right into it because I've got a guy waiting here in the wings uh, patiently for me. Uh, it's time to dive into it. Happy 2024 to you. Are you ready <clears throat> for the, um, well, it's the first beat down of the year. It's time to go. <laughs> He's like, man, you just always give me such a great buildup. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets, joins us this morning. It's time to get into the brand new weekly top three. And uh, I got to tell you, we're ready to, uh, we're just, we're ready to go. We're ready to go. Hello, my friend. How, uh, how are you today? Michael, I was going to ask if, um, if you just got better at the games you already had, or if you got a new game over Christmas, Uh, you know, I you yeah, answered that. I was just going to relax and everything. And then she's like, check your thing, dad. Happy, you know, Merry Christmas. And uh, I went and looked and I'm like, oh, this is. B-. And then the next thing I know, it's, uh, oh, man, it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm still, why? I've got to go to bed. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, it's good. It was uh, it was a great time off. Three o'clock in the morning and three days later. Yeah, no, it it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a lot of fun. It was a great uh, great holiday break. I needed it. I left the house exactly one time. I think no, two times. I guess to uh, went and got my son uh, for uh, New Year's. But other than that, it was just some of the most relaxing times I could think of. And you're here to take all my happy thoughts away. Uh, No, not really. But we've been looking forward to this because I've been wondering what was going to come out of this. I I, uh, during the holidays, I didn't read any of the no, no Internet for me. None of that stuff. Although I did see a headline right before I left for vacation that basically said uh, uh, governor's budget is still not enough, which of course we knew was going to happen, but you're going to give us the rundown today. Um, I suppose we should get started, um, and, uh, and see what, uh, what's what with the weekly top three. We're going to start off with, uh, um, the story we've all been missing, Brad, go ahead and hit us with number one. Let's get, uh, let's get cranking. Let's just do it, man. Let's just do it. Well, there have been a lot of stories about the budget, mostly about, uh, what's in the budget, uh, and and some dive into detail of of the various proposals that the budget contains, or in the case of 
the K through 12 industry, uh, the budget doesn't contain. Um, but I think, I think they're missing. Those stories are missing um, uh, the big picture. I mean, basically they're focusing on the trees and they're missing the forest uh, as a result of, uh, of looking at the trees. And here's, here's what the forest tells us. There's, there's, there's really two big stories in the budget that haven't been reported yet, and they both have to do with volumes. They both have to do with production volumes. The first story is that for the first three years of the budget, uh, production volumes are down a lot from, uh, from what was projected uh, last spring. The story most people have seen is prices are up, so revenues are up, um, and so the supplemental PFD that people have been talking about is going to be fine. Uh, because prices are up at the level that uh, that that would kick in the supplemental PFD. But what those stories have missed is that volumes are down a lot. Um, and as a result, revenues aren't up as much as 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 those who are focusing solely on price think they are. Uh, when the budget was set, it was set, we've talked about this before, but it was set in tranches. It's called it's been called a waterfall budget because it fills up to a certain level and certain things are covered, fills up to another level and certain things are covered, fills up to a, a third level and um, and the supplemental PFD uh, kicks in. In the in the in the spring forecast and in the budget as it was set up, the level at which the supplemental PFD, uh, which could be as much as five hundred dollars per PFD. The level at which the supplemental PFD started kicking in was at $73, and it maxed out at the $500 at, um, at $83 a barrel. And the, and the fall forecast is predicting $83 a barrel. So everybody thinks, okay, everything's fine. The problem is because of the, of the production drop, the supplemental PFD doesn't start kicking in until about $79. And it fills up slower and doesn't fill up completely until about $90 a barrel. And so we've got people writing stories saying we're going to get the supplemental PFD because the, the prediction is $83 a barrel. We're not, we don't get the full supplemental PFD until volumes hit, until, until uh, revenues hit, until oil prices hit uh, $90 a barrel. And I think, I think people are just missing that story about what's going on with production volumes the, the first three years. Dramatic drop, uh, really an unexplained drop uh, in, the, in the revenue forecast. So I think there's some stories, a lot of stories to be written about what's going on uh, with, with what's going on with uh, production volumes. And, and, and we'll dig into that in, uh, in subsequent, uh, subsequent uh, shows. The other, the other story, let me get them both out there quickly. Sure, the other ahead, story... Yeah. The other story is after the first three years, there's a couple of years where volumes are production volumes are, are the same as forecasts in the spring forecast. So there's not much change. But after about the fifth year, all of a sudden production volumes take off like crazy in the in the in the revenue forecast. Um, and and it's it they're assuming that PICA hits and that uh, uh, MPRA that uh, that the willow volumes start hitting. Uh, in the latter stages, after about the five-year mark, and and production volumes start taking off, and a lot of people have said, "Oh, yay! Production volumes are taking off. We're saved." Here's here's the interesting, the really interesting thing, and this is going to deserve a lot of attention. 
production volumes are up by a lot in those last five years. But get this, petroleum revenues to the state are down and they keep going down um, in those latter five years. So those people who say, like the governor has said, all we need to do is we need to get production volumes up and we're saved. That's wrong. Product, uh, revenues are going down. There's a couple of things that are going on with that. One is we're, we're getting a bigger conversion, I think, than, than anticipated from what's called old oil to new oil. New oil doesn't have much tax on it because that was part of, 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 the, of the design of the, uh, of the oil tax re reform in the early 20-teens. Uh, to incentivize the development of new oil. And so it doesn't have as much tax as old oil. And we're getting a much bigger conversion from old oil, which is called non-GVR oil, for those who want to get into the acronyms, from not from old oil to new oil. Um, so production volumes are going up, but, but the amount of old oil is going down. And as a consequence of that, uh, uh, production tax revenues are going down. And you've and got, the other, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I keep interrupting. Well, and, and, the, and the other thing that's going on out there is that the levels of investment, oil investment, oil industry investment are much higher than than assumed in the spring revenue forecast. And, and so the allowable lease expenditures, which are a deduction from your tax base, um, uh, oil tax, oil tax base, the allowable lease expenditures are going way up. Uh, in those latter years, driving production revenues down. So, you know, people who, who on this show and elsewhere have said, all we got to do is get Joe Biden to let us produce more oil and we're okay. That's not what's happening. We're producing more oil than we, than we forecast by a lot. We're producing a lot more oil in the last five years by a lot. But oil tax revenues, traditional revenues to the state are going down because of, because of those two factors. And you've uh, you've highlighted this with a couple of charts, and I know people on the radio can't see them, but you can go look at uh, Brad's uh, article in the Alaska Landmine, his part one article, and it uh, it deals with this and talks about this specifically. Uh, Brad, for a second here, if you want to uh, if you want to lay this out for us here, as you said, the production values all seem like they're going up, up, up all the way out to twenty thirty three, and that seems like good news. Um, if you want to walk us through part of that before I jump to the other sure. chart that shows the uh, actual intake, the revenue. Sure. This is this chart shows the production forecast. The top two lines, the the light blue and the red lines, are uh, the, the the fall 2022 and the spring 2023 uh, revenue forecast. The dark blue line, the line on the bottom in the first three years, is the new revenue forecast, the new production forecast from the fall of 2023. And it shows that reduction, that fall uh, in, in production volumes uh, for the first three years from 24, 25, and 26. And then it shows in 27, 28 uh, that, that the lines merge and essentially the two forecasts are forecasting the same volumes. And then from 29 on, it, the blue line, the dark blue line goes up dramatically higher than the red line. The blue line's from the most recent forecast. The red line is from the uh, uh, the, uh, the spring forecast, and it shows the dramatic jump in production volumes uh, in those in those latter five years. So that's that's the that's the graphic depiction of what the what the numbers are telling us in terms of in terms of production volumes. And then we have the new chart, which uh, <clears throat> excuse me, comes out here, 
And this one shows the actual drop in revenues, though, the impact. I mean, that's the thing. Everything in the short term, let me go back to the first chart again. In the short term, uh, it shows production values are lower than they projected by a significant amount, um, almost uh, 10% lower over the next three years. Then it starts to equalize. This is for production and then goes way up. But the bottom line is, is that in the long run, it means we actually are going to have less money in these next three years. And nobody seems to be talking about that. Yeah. So so as I said, everybody jumps on the fact that oil prices are up and they and they and they immediately jump from that and say, well, revenues are up. Well, revenues are up some, but they're not anywhere up anywhere near uh, the levels that they would be had production volumes not fallen. On the left hand, uh, the left hand of the chart you've got up now is fiscal year 24, the fiscal year we're in. The blue on the left is the, are the production volumes forecast in the spring revenue that the budget's based on. The red next to it are the production volumes that are now forecast in the fall uh, for uh, fall forecast. And you can see the drop from the from the blue. Uh, what is that? 496 down to 470, a drop of about 30. Uh, uh, million or 30,000 uh, barrels a day. And then the next two bars, again, FY24, the yellow or the gold is the projected revenue uh, in the in the spring forecast and on which the budget is, is based. The green is now the, the projected revenue at the current oil price, the projected revenue we're going to get out of uh, out of the production volumes that they're now forecasting. And as you can see, there's a drop of $300 million roughly from $3.3 billion to $2.96 billion, a drop of about uh, $330 million, or $330 million uh, between those two forecasts in revenue. And that's all coming because of the way the waterfall is set up, because of the way those tranches are set up, that's all coming out of the supplemental PFD. So essentially what's going on is Alaskans PFDs are going to go down uh, not government revenues, uh, but Alaskans PFDs are going to go down uh, because of the oil volume drop. It's a direct, uh, a direct impact. Uh, the PFDs are, are are taking the direct impact uh, of that volume drop because of the way the budget's set up. So when people, I mean, there's an ADN article that appeared over the weekend, and they said, well, you know, at current forecast prices, uh, the the P, the supplemental PFD should kick in, and we should get the full supplemental PFD wrong. I mean, the, the supplemental PFD right now, as I said, the, the way it's set up in the budget, it could be as much as $500, $500 per PFD. At the current production levels and at the current prices that we're seeing right now in the, in the, in the futures uh, market, uh, the supplemental PFD will be about $190. $190. So um, a 40%, what is that? A, a, you know, 60%, 60% drop in the size of the PFD, supplemental PFD, because of the impact uh, of this production drop. And as I, and as I say, that's, that's a story that's not getting reported. Right. There's an, there's another chart in the article that, that then goes on and, and does the same thing that we've got for these three years, does the same thing for the full, you know, 10 year period of the forecast. And you see in the latter years, uh, the blue in that, in that subsequent chart, the blue, uh, uh, volume production, uh, the, the red volume production that's in the in the fall forecast goes way above the blue in the, in the latter years. Production volumes go up, but revenues keep going down uh, because um, uh, because the, the, the petroleum uh, uh, revenues are going down, because production taxes are going down. 
and indeed royalties are going down. Um, it's it's really a it's it's a phenomena that I think deserves a lot of attention because it's telling us that to the extent that we're that we're assuming that we're going to be okay when all these production volumes kick in in the latter half of the of the decade, uh, that we're going to be okay. That that's a wrong assumption. Right. That that, that actually it's, things are getting things are getting worse and worse. It's almost. Uh... It's counterintuitive at this point. We're going to continue the weekly top three. Uh, number two talks about the second half of the governor's budget problem. Did he break actual state statute? That's a question we'll continue with right after this. The Michael Duke Show. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Oh, had to make one mistake. Fired off the wrong one this morning. Okay, uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest here for the year. Hello, my friend. Um, this is some heavy stuff to start off the year with. Uh, and like I said, counterintuitive. When you look at these charts and you're like, oh, things are going to be great. More production, more everything else. But, of course, the devil's in the details. And when you realize... Even though we may have more production, what kills me is this number here. Let me pull the chart back up here real quick because what kills me is this uh, this number here. Uh, when you start looking at it and you realize that in 2024 we're projected to have 3.3 billion dollars in revenue uh, by the spring numbers, but 2.96 by the fall numbers. But the worst part is is that two years out we're down almost a billion dollars. Uh, in projected revenue for both uh, for both sides of it. I mean, that's those are some huge, huge numbers. And at some point, the PFD won't even be able to compensate for it. That's the problem. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that more in the in the in the in the next segment. Uh, but there is, I mean, we've got a we got a huge revenue drop going on. Um, it, notwithstanding the fact that we're having a production increase, forecast production increase in the last half of the 10-year period. We've got a huge revenue drop going on. And to foreshadow the next segment a little bit, the governor's not doing anything, is not proposing to do anything about it. Um, and I think that's a, I mean, I I, I ended the article, the, the the last article in the in the landmine, the second look at the budget by, you know, if the governor, why did the governor run for the job? Why did, why did Mike Dunleavy run for the job of governor if he's not going to do it? I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's, right. he, he, he's, he's showing the, the budget and the revenue forecast shows us running in the ditch and he just, his budget just shows running in the ditch. It doesn't show, doesn't show a course correction. It doesn't show, you know, a break. It just runs it in the ditch. And, um, and that's, I, I mean, that's a pretty sad state of affairs when the governor's not even trying to, uh, to guide the, the, the car to a, to a safe landing or guide the right. plane to a safe landing. Right. Well, Brad, uh, since we got a minute here uh, in the, how was your, uh, how was your Christmas and New Year's? How was your vacation break uh, after we talked last? It's been great, Michael. Um, I came home to Anchorage and uh, I've just hung out here with friends and uh, it's been, uh, it's been a great, 
a great break. I, I head out again shortly, uh, well, later this week uh, to go see my mother again. But uh, uh, th- this time, this time home has been uh, has been a great break. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got to tell you, it was restive for sure. Um, uh, I actually scraped a razor across my face for the first time in uh, 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 in a like 10, 12. I mean, I was looking like I looked at the rear and said, "Can I get away with it?" And I went, "No," because it's like Grizzly Adams, you know, all the way up to my eyebrows with fur. And I'm just like, "Oh man, it's." Uh, it's pretty crazy, but it was definitely, you know, it was nice. Every time that I would, uh, I opened, I opened Drudge the other day just at, on a whim, and I was like, nope. After about fifteen seconds, I like, <laughs> I closed it and said, nope, not gonna do that. That's all. Who needs that kind of uh, negativity in their life, right? Well, that's probably what you did with uh, with the Anchorage Daily News and with uh, the landmine articles and everything else. Oh I mean, man. It's- yeah, I was like, I don't even, I just, why? Why do I need it? Nope, click, just click the click the close button and went on to watching something else. Uh, you know, did, uh, did, a, did a whole, did a whole lot of nothing except just enjoying, I was living in the moment, I guess I should say. That, that would have been, if you want to encapsulate it, it was living in the moment with the family and everything else. Tomorrow's problems will take care of themselves tomorrow. How, how was the FaceTime with your granddaughter? Uh, it was good. We did a little bit of FaceTime there and had some good stuff. She did a little, uh, she did a Christmas program, which uh, they broadcast live on uh, their church that they did down there, uh, broadcast it live on YouTube. So we got a chance to sit in the living room and watch them do the whole Christmas play. And uh, it's, I, I've, anyway. I've lost track. How old is that granddaughter? I, she's, thought, I thought she was, she's five years old now. It's, uh, oh it's, my God, I, I have lost track. Yeah, it's, uh, Man, just like that. It just the time it just it just the flutters right on by, that's for sure. All right. Well, we're gonna get back into it here. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all that stuff. Let's uh get back to it. Uh appreciate you guys coming on board. Um let's go. Here we go. Uh Common Sense Radio. <laughs> Okay, uh, continuing now, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, the weekly top three. Number two now, the governor's budget um, obviously got some issues uh, from Brad's point of view. Also, the question is, did he actually uh, break the law, break state statute? Brad, give us the rundown here. So the governor's budget um, uh, is... Again, a lot of people have focused in on on the proposals for FY25, and they've focused in on on the trees of what the governor's proposing and what he's not proposing, and all that and all that debate. But but I think it's important at the same time you're doing that to back up and look at the forest and see what the overall spend is and and how that compares to revenues and the deficits that are opening up. Um, and so the second landmine article, the one that we published last Friday. Uh, on the governor's budget uh, does that. And it shows huge uh, deficits, um, not only uh, beginning in FY25, but growing all the way out to uh, the FY33, which is, far as the, is as far as the projections grow or go. And as I said, um, a lot of that is because oil prices, even though oil production volumes are going up, 
oil revenues are coming down because of the conversion from uh, the bigger than anticipated conversion from old oil to new oil and, uh, and, uh, and the bigger allowable lease expenditures that are coming in. The chart you've got up shows uh, on the left, the left-hand bar, but this, these are all fiscal years. Each of the pairs of bars are for fiscal year and fiscal year 25 on the, on the left, uh, the fiscal year that the legislature is going to be dealing with this coming session, the spent, the projected spending level projected by the legislative finance division, projected spending levels in green on the left, projected traditional revenues are in dark blue on the right. Uh, the portion of the percent of market value draw that's available for government under statute, the, the, what current law provides that the, that the POMB going to government is, um, is in uh, yellow or gold. And then the deficit that's showing up uh, is in red. And as you can see, uh, traditional revenues aren't growing by much uh, over the over the period, uh, the percent of market value available for government is staying relatively stable, but spending continues to go up. Now, the governor's projection uh, uh, is that spending sort of levels off in these out years. But the first part of our article uh, uh, focuses on on how good the governor's been at projecting spending in his past budgets <laughs> and his past ten year plans, and it's horrible. I mean. Basically, the governor projects low spending. The legislature comes in and 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 passes a high budget, and the governor signs it. <laughs> and so, even in the year, even even each fiscal year, when he does a ten-year plan, does a budget and a ten-year plan, each fiscal year he's been as much as twenty to thirty percent below the the spending level yep. that's ultimately been approved. Well, by, and just uh, for the, the legislature, and just for the radio folks who can't see the chart, I'll just say this is a ten year plan in twenty twenty five. It says five point four eight billion dollars is the projected budget, and in twenty in twenty thirty three, he says six point six four percent is the projected budget. That barely makes up for the automatic escalators. In because the budget goes up 100 and uh, 100 almost 150 million dollars a year. If nothing changes, a bomb went off and the legislature wasn't in session. I mean, it would go up 150 million dollars a year every year. That barely that this barely covers it. He says it only goes to 6.64 billion dollars in uh in an eight year period. That's uh, you know, that that's just not, uh, I mean, it's it's not realistic. Well, these are actually the, the projections by the Legislative Finance Division. The governor's numbers are actually even lower, uh, but they're un, but they're unrealistic. I mean, the, the governor's numbers are unrealistic, given the pattern in practice that that has occurred over the last five years. Maybe if the governor had, you know, in, in over the last five years, had proposed a budget and then stuck with it, vetoed the legislature back down to the governor's proposed level, uh, we might we might be on a much different spending track than than we are. But each time, as I said, the first part of the article is devoted to looking at the pattern and practice over the last five years. Each time the governor's proposed significant spending restraint, uh, the legislature's just run over him like a Mack truck, and the governor signed it at the at the end of the day, assigned it. So there, there's no I mean there's no predictive value in what the governor says the spending levels are going to be anymore. They're just his, you know, it's sort of like politically political signaling to uh, to his base saying, I'm, I, you know, I'm proposing a low budget. I won't back it up when the time comes, but I'm proposing a low budget. Here's here's the here's the other thing that's that's really uh, 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 concerning about what what what's going on with the governor's budget. 
here's what Alaska statute says. AS 3707020B2 says this. In addition to the budget and bills submitted under A of this section, and that's the that's the the bills and the budget for the current fiscal year, the governor shall submit a fiscal plan with estimates of significant sources and uses of funds for the succeeding 10 fiscal years. In other words, the 10-year plan. The fiscal plan, the 10-year plan, this is statute, must, must balance sources and uses of funds held while providing for essential state services and protecting the economic stability of the state. Must balance sources and uses of funds. That means, you know, the sources of funds must balance with the uses of funds. You must, you know, you can't be showing uh, running deficits. You have to have some source of funds to fill in the deficits. For the last decade, we've used, we use savings. That was the source of funds that filled in, that balanced the budget. For the last few years, uh, the governor's proposed various things uh, when he submitted a budget. Last year, we were going to have the carbon credits that were going to save us. And, you know, we're going to have billions and billions of dollars in carbon credits that we're going to, that we're going to balance the budget. Whimsical, but nonetheless, at least the 10-year plan balanced because as required by statute, because he filled in those revenues uh, to balance the budget. Here, here's the here's the really troubling thing. This year's 10-year plan gets you the first three years balanced by filling in the deficits that we showed on the last chart, by filling in the deficits withdraws from the constitutional budget reserve. After those three years, the governor gives up. His 10-year plan shows deficits and it doesn't show any source of funds to balance against the uh, to balance against those deficits. There's no savings left. We he he's drained the CBR, he proposes to drain the CBR the next 3 years to cover the deficits that that occur in those years. Um there's no CBR left, there's no SBR, no statutory budget reserve. That's long since gone. He doesn't propose using permanent fund earnings as he did in an earlier uh, in an earlier year uh, to fill in the deficits. He doesn't propose taking the PFD down to PFD or POMV 50-50 as he did uh, in an earlier budget. He just, he doesn't propose carbon credits. He just gives up. And 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 so the 10-year plan that is required by statute, that it must balance sources and uses of funds, it doesn't show balanced sources and uses of funds. It shows a huge imbalance uh, growing, uh, even at the governor's proposed spending levels, a huge imbalance growing all the way out to the end of the 10-year plan. He hasn't complied with the statute. He's not He's not even making an effort. His administration is not even making an effort to, uh, to propose additional funds. In prior years, the Department of Revenue would publish what they call a fiscal plan model, which would enable users to go look at the fiscal plan model, and it had very mo various modules in it, and say this is how I'm gonna, this is how I would use these modules to balance the budget. Adam Crum's Department of Revenue hasn't published those modules this year. So basically, what the governor is saying, yep, we're running huge deficits, um, and I don't have a plan. I don't, the governor, I don't have a plan for how for how I'm going to balance those out. And I'm not going to give you, Alaskans, the ability to figure out your own plan because my Department of Revenue has is not, is not giving you the modules anymore about how much a sales tax would raise or how much changes in oil taxes would raise or how much other forms of 
of various revenue uh, proposals would raise. So we got a governor who's just who, who is telling us the 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 car is running off the road. It's running it it's running in the ditch. It may be running off the cliff. Um, we got a governor who's telling us that, but who is not giving any proposals, proposed solutions to it. And what's that? What's that leaving exposed? It's the PFD. He he tells you he wants a full PFD. He tells you he's proposed a full PFD, but he's not giving you any way, and the Department of Revenue isn't giving you any insight into how to balance the budget in those years that he admits we run off the road. No way to do it other than for assuming PFD cuts. So uh, we, the governor is just, I mean, he's just stopped being governor. After those three years, he just stops being governor. The, guy, the, the, the statute says, you shall show us how to balance sources of uses of funds. And the Dunleavy administration is saying, nope, I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> well, I and, and I, so uh, and, and so there you go. I would argue, even though, I mean, the governor is supposedly, you know, offering this balance. But anytime you offer to balance a budget out of savings, <sighs> it's not truly a balanced budget because that's not that's not fixing it. Savings is finite. Savings is there's only so much of it and it's supposed to be there for. And we, by the way, we still owe the CBR like eight billion dollars, nine billion dollars. And and he wants his proposal is to drain it down. And that's a solution for ba- that's not a balanced budget. I would argue that any time he's offered that as an option, it's not balanced. Well, under the statute, at least you can make the argument that you're fulfilling the mandate of the statute by by using savings to fill in to fill in those cracks. But but now, after the after the three years after fiscal year 25, 26, and 27, he's not even showing that. I mean, because we're out of savings. What the budget shows is that the CBR hole, the CBR deficit becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. He's assuming we plug the deficit with money with dollars that aren't there by, I don't know, issuing warrants against future CBR. I it's it is it is an a, a complete abdication of his responsibility under the statute to show a balanced budget, to make at least some effort. Right. I mean, last year, you know, the carbon credits, you can question whether that was, that was a serious effort. He's not even trying that anymore. He's just, he's just leaving. He's just letting it lay out there. And in combination with Adam Crum, not having the department of revenue show the module, show the options. If we, if we changed oil taxes, if we if we if we had a sales and use tax like Ben Carpenter's proposed, not even showing those options out there, he's just I mean he's just telling Alaskans, well, too bad, <laughs> but I don't have a plan for it. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, here, hold this, uh, hold my beer, watch this. I'm gonna go step out here and do something else. Uh, all right, uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Uh, we're coming up to number three, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. 
Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. I mean, lame duck, he's the lamest of lame ducks, says Chris. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I think we're all in agreement here. The governor has basically, the governor has one foot out the door. Um, you know, that it's, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a horrible situation. Uh, uh, Richard does ask the question, what can the rest of us do about it? I mean, that's, a, I mean, I guess that's the question, right? What can the rest of us do about it? I don't know at this point. I mean, we got the lunatics are in charge of the asylum and we're just sitting here with a popcorn waiting for the walls to explode. Well, it's the legislature. I mean, the legislature is going to, is going to be the one that's going to have to have to deal with this. The governor's given them no plan uh, for, uh, from, from after three years, no plan forward. Um, he's just, I, you know, if one were if one were um, conspiratorial about this, you would you would you would look at uh, uh, the the presidential election and and who the governor's supporting for president and and what his what his appointment what what his decision might be the president the new president uh, what his decision might be about who to appoint uh, secretary of interior. And, and you might you might want to look at that and then and then line that up with this 10-year plan and essentially the governor says I'm gone <laughs> and 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 I don't you know good good luck guys um it, it, it's what can the rest of us do about it it's up to the legislature I mean the governor's essentially checked out um and uh, and now left it in the hands of the legislature and the legislature is going to have to deal with it but as I'm going to talk about uh, in the in the next segment, the legislature is not being responsible uh, about this either. So it's just I, we're the the train is running off the track. I mean, how many analogies can I come up with? The train is running off the track. The bridge is out. The train is running is running full steam ahead. No, the people we elected, the governor we elected, who has a statutory responsibility to at least try to pro make proposals to balance sources and uses of funds. He's not doing it. He's just walked away. And, um, and, and so it's going to be up to the legislature to deal with it. And that doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence in, in where we're headed. Um, but that's, that's where we're being left. And that's the thing. I mean, I've used that analogy for years. We could see that the bridge is out. We know that, it, that there's a, a huge problem coming up. And instead of slowly applying the brakes or even throwing the brakes on full steam and possibly derailing the train, our answer seems to be, hold my beer as you shovel more coal into the firebox because it's going to be spectacular, you know, when it uh, when it gets there. I mean, that just seems to be the answer. And I think a lot of these people are like, <clears throat> I mean, like you said, uh, maybe I'll get appointed. Maybe I'll go outside. Maybe I'll just, you know, I'll get some other golden parachute and we'll watch the state burn so it doesn't really matter. I'm just biding time till I get out of here. Yeah, I, I've never, I, I've watched this stuff for a long time, Michael. I mean, I go back to the Tony Knowles era and have studied the history uh, even before that. I have never seen a 10-year plan. I've never seen a proposal that just doesn't try after a certain point. As I said last year, at least the governor came up with, you know, the carbon credits. That was going to be our, our, our solution. This one doesn't even try uh, after, after three years out. And I, I mean, he doesn't propose spending cuts. He doesn't propose revenues. He doesn't propose PFD. He just doesn't try. And, uh, and I, I mean, you can't, as I as I said in the last uh, in the last uh, uh, break, 
the last sentence of my of, of last week's article was why did Dunleavy run for governor if he wasn't going to do the job? Right. No. I mean, it's just he, he he's not the statute tells you what the job is, the bare minimum. And he's not even doing that. Right. Well, and if you think we're going to look to this legislature to get anything done, I mean, it's an election year. I mean, pretty much everybody's up for re-election in the House and all this. I mean, you think they're going to just, they want to just rubber stamp this thing and get it through and, and move on. I mean, they've got some priorities. You could see it in the headlines. School funding, a ranked choice voting, and defined benefits are going to be the big, you know, things of the day when it comes to that. But, I mean, they're not going to. They're not going to move on anything substantive in the, you know, in the, in the, in the intervening uh, session here. Yeah. And here's the point. I mean, this isn't, this isn't way the hell out in the future anymore. This is three years from now. We hit, we hit this point. It takes time to turn a train. It takes time to slow a train down. It takes time to turn a boat. It takes time to break a car, whatever analogy you want. It takes time. You have to build these things up over a couple of sessions to, to get legislation passed to, you know, change oil taxes or to institute a sales and use tax like Ben Carpenter's proposed or to or to make huge uh, uh, cuts in spending lot that it would take to balance the budget with spending cuts alone. It takes time to do that. And and this is one of the few sessions we've got to uh, before before we hit that point. So, yeah, no, absolutely. Brad Keithley, Alaska for it's so frustrating. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for sustainable budgets. Uh, we got more. Uh, we got more coming up. One final segment: the irresponsibility of the legislature and the K twelve industry. We're going to get into that for the final segment, and then we'll get a soothe to our soul with Chris Story coming up in hour two. Let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. No, no, no. I'm I'm perfectly normal. I'm just a nice guy. Never a pain in the anything. Good morning. Welcome back to it. The final segment of hour one, the Michael Duke show. First show of the new year. We're getting Brad Keithley in here to give us the rundown of the budget, which is whoo. Hasn't stolen my happy thought yet, but boy, it just feels so frustrating. I mean, the whole question of, okay, well, what can we do about it? There's not a lot we can do about it. The legislature's kind of in control for this next uh, 10 months or so here until the next election cycle. Um, and in, unless we could change some players out, it's going to be a mess. But the legislature's not going to do anything. They've already shown what their priorities are, Brad. And uh, irresponsibility seems to be the word of the day. So, Michael, back when. Back when we first got into this this, this budget back battle back in the early 20 teens, um, and I started advocating for spending cuts, wrote op eds. We, you and I talked about it on the show, and I started advocating for spending cuts. the 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 response I would get is, "Okay, where do you want to cut?" And I would have answers to that, uh, but you know, nobody really wanted to hear them because they didn't want to make the cuts, um, and so. As it went, others didn't have answers to that. Others said, "Well, it's up to the legislature to to make the cuts." And so there was a period of time when there were a lot of allegations of irresponsibility. Yes, you want to say you, you want to make spending cuts, but but you don't have a plan for where you make the spending cuts, or you don't have a you haven't thought through the implications of making these spending cuts, and so you, you're being irresponsible. Was the was the assertion? We're on the we're on the flip side of that now. 
we've got we've got people, particularly the K through 12 industry. Um, there was a, a, a an op ed in the ADM that I picked out uh, to sort of typify this. It was by the uh, the uh, Anchorage School District Superintendent uh, uh, Bryant. Uh, it says Dud Dunleavy's budget falls short of what Alaska schools need to succeed. And it's, you know, 650 words about, you know, why we need to increase spending for uh, for K through 12 um, and why we need to increase, you know, defined benefits and all that sort of stuff for uh, for, uh, for or go back to defined benefits uh, for teachers and all that sort of stuff. But here's 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 the flip side of what people were asserting in the early 20 teens. They're not telling us where the revenue comes from. They want increased spending. They want to push up all of the, well, they want to increase current K through 12, increase uh, current K through 12 spending. They want to increase uh, uh, compensation to teachers by reinstituting a defined benefits program. They want to push up spending elsewhere uh, in the government. Other op-eds support pushing up uh, uh, spending elsewhere in the, in the government. But you don't find in any of those, just, just sort of like they claimed that, that you couldn't find in the early 20 teens, you couldn't find any indication of where the spending cuts would, would occur. People would talk about, we need spending cuts, but, but you never define where the spending cuts would occur. Now we've got people pushing for increased spending, but they don't define where the revenue comes from. <coughs> the implication is, if you don't, if you don't talk about it coming from someplace else, the implication is that it comes from PFD cuts. But they don't want to talk about that because they know PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the overall economy, and they have, and they are by far the costliest for 80% of Alaska families. They don't want to talk about that because they know that's the worst option. And so they don't want to get hung out to dry by advocating what's the worst option. And so they don't they don't talk about revenues at all. And the consequence is we have all these people out there pushing for increased spending. Oh, Johnny needs more money. The teachers need more money. The state needs more money. We need more money for state employees. We need more, we need more state employees because we have all these failures going on. They don't talk about offsetting cuts elsewhere in government because they don't want to, they don't want to trigger those constituencies into, into opposing their plan. And they don't talk about they don't talk about where the revenues are going to come from. So they are being equally as irresponsible about about the path forward that they're pushing for the state, as they claimed <clears throat> the hypocrisy. And this is big that as as they claim people in the early twenty teens and mid twenty teens were being irresponsible because they pushed for spending cuts without without defining where those spending cuts uh, would come from, and and. And you can see where this is going. You can see where this irresponsibility is going by just looking at the governor's 10-year plan and seeing that after three years, even under the government governor's proposed spending levels, which will not be the spending levels we end up with because the governor will not back up his own budgets with vetoes and say, this is the, this is the level I'm going to agree to. When the legislature passes more, the governor just signs more. Uh, you can see where this is going. At the end of three years, under even under the governor, governor's proposed spending, we're done. We've drained the CBR. We've drained the SBR. We got nothing left. We're done. And so we got we got all these red numbers that go on out for the rest of the ten year period. There's nothing. I mean, the governor says, "Oh well, we need more oil production." Well, <laughs> the governor's 
the governor's revenue forecast tells us that even with the more oil production that they're, that they're projecting, oil revenues, traditional revenues are going down because, because of how the, because of how the, the oil tax uh, operates and the, and the shift in the unanticipated or the, the bigger than anticipated shift in volumes from old oil to, uh, to, to new oil, to the lower tax new oil. Nobody's got nobody's got a solution out there for for what the for what the revenues are, and yet we have people pushing in op eds and elsewhere, saying, "Oh, but we've got to have more spending." Where are the revenues coming from? I don't want to talk about that. We got to have more spending, and and the irresponsibility of pushing that train, feeding more and more and more coal into the engine to use your to use your train analogy, as we approach the bridge that's out, the irresponsibility of that is just is just astounding i mean we we are running this state in off the off the cliff um and and we got people who in the case of the governor who has no proposal for what to do about it in the case of the 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 superintendent of asd just wants to feed more coal to the engine don't i don't care where the revenue ah, revenues will solve themselves i just i just want more coal in the engine i want more spending going on and and we've got a state that's that's out of control is probably is probably the right statement to make because we don't have a governor anymore who is putting a break on it or who's standing up uh, for for what he says he's doing in his budgets uh, and who who is out of ideas for how to deal or out of uh, proposals that he will make uh, for how to deal with it. I, I tell you, the, the one person that looks good in this situation is Ben Carpenter <laughs> because Ben at least is saying, "Yep, trains out of control." Um, uh, we, we're, we want to cut spending. We want to restrain spending. We're not, we're not doing that. You can't restrain spending enough to, to deal with this situation. Um, and so we've got to put, we've got to deal with it through revenues. Don't want to deal with it through revenues, but we got to deal with it through revenues. At least he's standing up with a proposed solution. The rest of these jokers, I mean, the, the other 59 or so in the legislature aren't, they're just saying, yep. Out of control, uh, spending cuts. What spending cuts? Well, I don't know yet, but spending cuts. Well, or it, on the on the other side, revenues. Well, and even if it's the PFD, again, looking at this in just the three year projections you're talking about, there, once the CBR and the SBR is gone, it's all PFD cuts. I mean, there is no PFD. I mean, when we're talking about a billion and a half dollar deficit, two billion dollar deficit as we go down the road, that that's all the PFD. And then more, because nobody's come up with with substitute revenues. P. I mean, the, the irony of this: whoever writes the history of this period is going to have a field day. The irony of this is huge. I mean, PFD cuts have the largest adverse impact on the overall economy. We say that we care about the Alaska economy, but we're using the tool that has the largest adverse impact on the economy. PFD cuts take by far or by far the costliest, most costly for 80% of Alaska families. We say we care about Alaska families, but we're using the tool that is by far the costliest uh, for Alaska families. And, and people who write the history of this period are going to say, it's thinking about, I mean, they, they, they are using the very tools, the very tool that hurts them the most. And yet that's the tool they keep using. Yeah. No, again and again and again, 
that's the thing. I mean, if you, if you want to cut spending, cut spending. But if you want to keep spending, somebody's got to pay for it. And uh, that's going to be you and me down the road, whether it's a full take of the PFD or a tax or eventually the PFD and a tax, because that's what's coming. That's what we've been talking about the whole time is that is what's coming. Brad Keithley, uh, wrapping it up here. Final thoughts real quick. Well, we've got a heck of a session coming up. As you say, it's an election year. The governor isn't trying. And if the governor doesn't try, the legislature is going to go, wait, we're the ones up for election. Why the hell are we going to try if the governor's not trying? I mean, the statute says he's supposed to try, but he's not doing it. So, you know, we're not we're not going to try either. Yeah. Um, and 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 we're just and we got people like, you know, the superintendent of the ASD who's just feeding gotta, more coal into the engine. Yep. Got to go. Brad Keithley, folks, hour two dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Yeah, it's uh, again, we can see the train wreck coming and, and everybody else is like, oh, no, it'll be totally fine. Pay no attention to it. it'll be totally fine. It'll be tis but a scratch uh, kind of thing. And uh, no, it's a gaping flesh wound and we should do something about it. But, you know, we've been talking about this for years, Brad. Ten years you and I have been going on and on about this. And uh, I mean, what are you going to do? Here's the here's the new piece of it, Michael. Uh, I, I guess there's a couple of new pieces. But but one of the new pieces, an important new piece, is production doesn't get us out of this. I mean, I, I got to tell you, my jaw dropped when I figured out what was going on with petroleum revenues in those out years as production as production took off. When production took off like that, I thought, well, that the the, the deficit ought to be closing uh, out there uh, from from additional petroleum revenues. But when you look at the petroleum, when you go inside the 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 department the Department of Revenues revenue forecast, and you look at petroleum revenues, they're going down. The only the only piece of it that's going up is uh, the property tax on petroleum on petroleum uh, 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 investment because investments going up. But that's a very minor part of uh, of overall petroleum revenues. Uh, there's three components that make up 90 percent of petroleum revenues, the corporate in- the, the petroleum corporate income tax uh, uh, royalties and production taxes and production taxes are going down so fast. Uh, that it's not even coming close to making up for the moderate increase uh, in royalties and in the uh, and in the petroleum uh, corporate income tax. Right. Um, and it's just and, and so you know when somebody if somebody gets on this program and says, "Oh, the solution here is increased production. It's Joe Biden's fault or whoever's fault it is uh, that we're not having increased production." But increased production would say the day. No, it doesn't. Right. Look at your own look at your own revenue forecast. Revenues are going down even in the face of production increases. Well, and this is why we've said uh, you know for a while now that the holistic approach, which is spending cuts, new oil taxes, new taxes on oil, uh, uh, you know, uh, some form of uh, of flat tax or sales tax or revenue tax. Re, you know, read your, it's why it's got to be a holistic thing. It can't just be all or not. It can't just be one thing trying to fix the hole in the boat. I mean, if you get a hole in the boat, to use another analogy, you use everything in your power to close that hole. Instead, they're like, oh, we'll just bail it out with the PFD until it's gone or the CBR until it's gone. And then I guess we sink. I guess that's what's going on. 
Well, and and that's why Ben Carpenter, I think, you know, it, uh, the historians are going to give credit to Ben Carpenter for trying to. Yeah, the, the 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 first step was the 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 fiscal policy working group, the legislature's fiscal policy working group, their uh, view of a balanced, comprehensive approach, and then Ben Carpenter trying to carry through with it in House Ways and Means. I mean, I the, most of the opinion pieces now, or most of the reporting now, is that that's dead. That uh, that Carpenter's proposal of a of a comprehensive plan uh, is dead, and maybe it is. Uh, but, uh, but I, Ben's going to get a lot of credit for, I think in the, from the historians for having tried to deal with the, with the problems as they were. Dunleavy's going to get killed. I mean, the history of the Dunleavy administration is going to be, yep, we, we elected you captain and, and you just ran it right into the damn iceberg. I mean, you, it was right there in front of you. Even your own forecasts were telling you it was right there in front of you and you just ran it full speed ahead. Yeah, uh, right into that iceberg, and he's going to get killed by the history. Yeah, it's going to be uh, disappointing to say the least at this point. That uh, he he has been disappointing uh, from the beginning. I mean, ever since getting his fingers whacked after that first budget, and then getting rid of Donna and everything else, that was I mean that was the beginning of the end at that point for any kind of fiscal sanity in this state. And with the Walrus running things, doing things his way. I just don't see I don't see any changes coming, at least in this session, maybe the next session as well. And at some point down the road, it's going to be too far to turn back. Like you said, it takes a while to turn a ship. You see the iceberg. You got to spin the wheel now, not uh, five feet from the iceberg kind of thing. That's why we have 10 year plans. I mean, that's why the 10 year plan. I When I read a when I read a budget, I go to the 10 year plan first, because that's not only got. That, that, that's got the current year in it, the current plan, plus it tells you how that plays out. That's why we got 10-year plans, to tell you what the icebergs, the 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 the, the dangers are that, that are ahead and give you time, as you see them out there, give you time to maneuver around them, to set up, to take the time to pass the legislation that, that enables you to, to, to maneuver around them. We've seen them out there. They're getting, and now they're getting closer and closer and closer, and now we're giving up on on how to deal with them now now we're saying oops yep the iceberg's right ahead yeah i don't know how to deal with that <laughs> so i'm just going to go plowing right on in it and and the k-12 industry is saying here here's some more coal here's some more here's some more power to you know make sure you really don't, hit that sucker. hey don't worry we're unsinkable Sorry. right don't worry we're unsinkable <laughs> nothing it'll be fine it'll be fine fine just fine uh don't worry about it well <sighs> i don't know what we can do brad Again, we're kind of spectators on this ship right now for the for the this upcoming session at least. We could see what's going to happen, but I mean, you know, uh, it's why I've kind of taken this whole. I'm going to talk about this in the next segment. I've kind of taken this whole attitude of all I can do is what I can do in my own family. That's all I can do right now, and hopefully, is prepare for the worst and hope for the best. That's all we can do. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. Well, we're all on the ship. That's the problem. I mean, we're all, unless unless the plan is to move to Washington or Montana or Wyoming or something, we're all on this ship. And yes, we might get our family all, you know, bundled together and ready to go, but the ship's going to hit the iceberg. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and if we're still on the ship, we're going to be affected by that when it hits. Better prepare a lifeboat is what I'm saying. Better prepare a lifeboat. Uh, all right, uh, Brad. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we got to go. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty-based. 
free thinking radio let's let's do this thing shall we hour two Buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to our two of the Michael Duke Show, the first show of the year. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, just uh, feeling, feeling good, feeling, feeling fine. That's what's happening right now. Feeling fine. It's been a uh, it's been a heck of a heck of a holiday season. I got a chance to uh, almost two full weeks off um, and just spent the time here at the house. It was my staycation um, hanging out uh, with uh, my wife and the kids and uh, um, just just enjoying just enjoying things. It has been a it's it's been a great uh it was a great time it was restorative and i and and restive and i always find that at the end of the year it's always so much better uh when we come back and uh and are ready to get back into it because this is going to be i can tell you right now we are what 14 days 2 weeks from today the legislature is going to kick things off 2 weeks from today we are about to watch the bread and circuses the bread and circuses uh, that are going to appear. If you just if you're just joining us, you missed Brad Keithley's last segment where he goes over the governor's proposed budget. Um, well, you can go back and listen to that. You can go back and listen to the podcast. You can watch it on the replay because we've got all the charts and stuff up that Brad uses. But here, let me let me just the TLDR too long didn't read version of our one. The ship is heading towards the iceberg. The train is heading towards the the gul the gulch and the bridge is out. And nobody seems to want to pull the woeback lever on anything. Nobody wants to turn it. Nobody wants to put the brakes on. It's like we are too big to fail. That seems to be the attitude that most politicians have um with what with the status of what's going on in the state. Now, I don't want to be too, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I don't, don't want to be, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, too, too down, down, dauber down, especially since we're here in the first day of the brand new year, 2024. But can I tell you about what I have resolved 
uh, for my New Year's resolution. I spent some time. I spent some time in quiet contemplation and thought, what do I want my 2024 to look like? What do I want the new year? I mean, I was I was laughing because I was talking to my kids and I was like, if I if you had told me when I was your age, my kids uh, are in their uh, late teens, early 20s. If I said if I had had told you. 2024, what was going to be happening in 2024? I'd have been like, I, you know, how, I mean, that's 30 years hence from now. I can't think that far ahead. I, I just couldn't think that, you know, at that age, I just couldn't see it. But I got to tell you, I have come to a conclusion. And, and as I said earlier, there were a couple times, like one time, I think it was this, uh, it was Friday or Saturday or something. I I pulled up the Drudge Report, which for those of you, you know, everybody knows what the Drudge Report is, right? I don't know why I did. I was on my computer. I was doing something, and I was like, oh, okay, I just – and I, tur- I pulled it up, and I just kind of looked through, skimmed through some of the headlines, and then I just shut it off because I thought, what can I do about any of this nonsense? And the answer was not a lot. In fact – Nothing, not a thing can I do about it. And I realized that that's kind of how I'm going to have to look at this coming year. It's we're we are spectators at this point into what's going to be happening in the next 10 months. We're spectators. Now we can we can contact our legislators. We can let our voices be heard. We can, you know, we can tell them, you know, to stand strong, to do the right thing, to hold back the spending. but. We've been telling them that for the last, well, I mean, on this program, we've been telling them that for the last 24 years. I mean, when I first broke Mike on this program and started, the first show that I started talking about was the runaway spending in the state and how in the long run, this was not going to, I mean, this is not going to be good for us. Now, 24 years ago, that was a long, long run, but I was still complaining about it, still whining about it, still whinging and saying we needed to do something about it. And I was just told that I was another shock jock and I should just, you know, relax and let the let my betters make those decisions and everything else. And here we are 24 years later in an even more dire situation than we were when I first got started. So have we made any difference? Sure. To some extent, maybe we've slowed it down. Maybe we haven't. But for this next 10 months, for sure, we are going to have very little impact on what's happening. Um, and one of the things that I, um, that I have uh, committed myself to, I guess I should say, in the new year, is to embody that serenity prayer, right? The prayer of serenity, this, you know, Lord... Uh, give me the, you know, give me the strength to overthink, whatever it is, to understand the things that I can't change and the things that I can change and the wisdom to know the difference. That's essentially what I am going to try and embody. My resolution is, is to live by that in the coming year. That we could talk about things that are there or that are coming. We're going to report on it. We're going to talk about what happens during the session. We're going to talk about all those kind of things. We're going to give it to you. But the bottom line is, is that there are certain things that we are just simply not going to be able to affect. And that's why this next, you know, 
10 month session. Well, it's not going to be the session itself is not going to be 10 months. This next 10 month period of time is going to be difficult for some of us. Very difficult because we're going to watch it. We're going to be basically saying in our minds over and over again, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. But we're not going to be able to do anything about it until it comes time to have those elections and replace some of the people in there that need to be replaced. Now, the problem is, is that some of the players that are in there, um, their constituencies are very happy to... Uh, are very happy to to send them back over and over and over again. You know, we've changed out a good, uh, what was the number that Rob Myers said? I think he said 65% of the legislature we've changed out over the last four or five years. 60% of the legislature. The problem is the remaining 30 to 40%. They keep going back over and over and over again. And until we can convince people in those areas, in those constituencies, that there's something, you know, wrong in Mudville, nothing's going to change. So the one thing that I can, the one thing that I can, um, I think, focus on, the one thing that we can change is maybe somehow convincing people in those constituencies that they need to have another choice, that they need to have another option for their representation, their legislators, their their House representatives and their senators. Uh, some of this will go through attrition. I don't know, uh, you know, some of these guys are finally going to pull the ripcord. Gary Stevens is eventually going to be out. Some of these other guys are, are, you know, but in the meanwhile, that's all we can really focus on. That's where the differences is going to be. And I want to encourage you as listeners, as citizens and constituents in the state of Alaska, I want to encourage you to understand that, that there are things that we're not going to be. We can howl at the moon as much as we want, but we can only make the changes where they can be made. And this legislative session with the exception of encouraging our legislators who are smaller government, more fiscally responsible legislators and encouraging them to do the right thing, there's nothing that can be done for this session. Because there's just there's not they the the die is cast as the Romans would say, the die is cast. And all we're waiting for is for the tumble to stop and see if we come up snake eyes or boxcars. Right. I, we, I mean, I think the 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 unless some kind of miraculous pod people body swap happens with some of these people, I just don't see uh, any ch- any major changes in the next, you know, five to ten months. So we should be looking um, we should be looking ahead. We should be looking ahead to. You know, in this case, I think the more important thing is the next election uh, election season. Um, We should pretty much understand that this session is going to be a wash, that those who are for fiscal responsibility uh, can, you know, we can again, we can support them. We can uphold them. We can encourage them. But they're fighting a a basically it's a fighting retreat at this point. And all they can do is hunker down and bulwark themselves as best they can. And that we need to start focusing on what's coming next. Um, These discussions, like we just had with Brad, are very illuminating. Uh, 
to let you understand things like, you know, the fact that, oh, production is going to be up. Yes, but because of the taxation situation and declining uh, production taxes and everything, that the revenue, we, we're going to be pumping more oil than ever and receiving less uh, revenue than ever because of the same thing. It's a, I mean, this is a problem. And if our legislators won't acknowledge it, if the folks who are there won't acknowledge it, we have to at least. We have to be responsible enough to acknowledge it. Um, and yes, that includes a new form. You know, maybe we should be discussing a new form of oil taxation. We be, should be discussing uh, a series of cuts. We should be discussing, you know, constitutionalizing or finalizing the PFD so it comes off the table. We should be looking at other forms of revenue, whether that's a sales tax or a flat tax or something like that. We need to look at all, all things should be on the table for these discussions. Now, that's not going to happen this session. Next session, maybe. Depends on what happens in November, in October, in November. I mean, that's the season. The season that we're looking, we should be looking further ahead at this point. Further ahead. And playing the longer game instead of getting caught up in the short game. And quite honestly, we need to stop paying attention to a lot of the, uh, to a lot of the issues that are going on outside the state that we can't control. I mean, even my daughter said something about, um, we were talking about something and she's like, oh, so what do you think's going to happen with the, with the, uh, the ballots and the presidential thing and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, I don't know. I don't care. I have no effect on either one of those things. Let me tell you what I do care about. I care about my family. I care about my community and I care about my state. And that's what I'm going to focus on for right now. I don't care. Quite And this is probably sacrilegious. I don't care who gets elected into the big offices across with the president or what. None of that matters. They're, none of them are our friends, folks. They're out. They're out for themselves. Numero unos. Consolidation of their own power. Whoever it is, whatever you know, animal they wear on their lapel, it doesn't matter. What can you control? What's going on in your household and your community? We were just talking about, you know, what can you do? The thing, we're using all these analogies, you know, the boats, the Titanics, the trains and everything else. And if you use the boat analogy, it makes sense. We're headed to the ice we're headed towards the iceberg, ice towards the iceberg. Um, we can't get control that we can't get to the bridge. We can't swing the wheel. We can't control the ship. So what should you do? Well, you should be packing your lifeboat full of supplies, getting your family in there and getting ready just in case things happen. Um, which means you need to be prepared financially. You need to, you know, take care, make sure that you're all squared away, make sure that you're got your debt under control and everything else that you, you know, are, you know, prepared mentally and that you do everything you can to keep your community together, your family together, and hopefully our state together. That's where the focus needs to be. That's, and that's, again, that was my resolution and my, my epiphany in my quiet time of self-reflection is that I am totally not focusing on Ukraine. Great. I don't know what's going on over there. I don't know what's happening there. I don't, does it matter? Does it affect me? Can I do anything about it? Those should be the questions you're asking yourself. As you get all spun up about all this other stuff, what does affect me is what happens in my community. 
you know, laws, rules, regulations that make up in my community, laws, rules, regulations that they make up in my state. I can do something about that. I could those affect me directly. The other stuff doesn't matter. That's uh, you know, that's that's the question. All right. Well, we're up on the break. I guess we should uh I guess we should go do that. Uh we're gonna be back here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Chris Story is going to be coming up here shortly, giving us a little, it'll be our first positivity update of 2024. I mean, we need it a little bit. It'll be fun. We'll continue right after this, The Michael Duke Show. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Ah, oh, ah. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about the minimum wage hike. That's an increase for sure. Uh, you know what I found interesting about the – there was an article about the minimum wage hike in the uh, uh, KTUU had an article about it talking about the minimum wage. So for those of you who don't know, the minimum wage went up uh, yesterday. Um, it went up from ten eighty five an hour to eleven seventy three an hour. That's an $0.88 cent per hour increase. Now – it, you know, it doesn't seem like much uh, to some people. And there's really nothing that can be done about that because that was uh, that was an enacted by a ballot measure from 2014. I think it was a 2014. Yeah, 2014 is when they enacted that ballot measure. So, you know, it, there's nothing. It's going to happen. Um, what I found interesting, though, was in the article, they quote John Weddleton, uh, who's a, one of my acquaintances. He owns the comic shop uh, in Anchorage, Bosco's, the comic shop there. And they were asking him, you know, what effect does he think this is going to have? And he said um, that in his opinion, uh, the rate hike will have no immediate impact on small businesses like his. Because he said he already pays his employees above that minimum rate to begin with. In fact, this is what I found interesting. He said um, the true market minimum is already over $13 an hour. And that that's interesting to me because, again, the free market is going to will out in those regards, right? I mean, the, the free market's already going to tell you what the actual rate is to begin with, as soon as you put in an artificial floor, you've created an artificial ceiling in many ways, which is, again, why free market libertarians have often said that the minimum wage does more harm than good. Um, but I think he's mistaken. I think that there will be some businesses, especially businesses that operate on a model differently from his, where there will be an immediate impact of nearly a dollar an hour raise. Um because you start talking about that's $40 a week, 
um, times, you know, or, you know, $40 an hour times, was it 20, 2,040 working hours, whatever it is. It, it's a, it's a significant amount of money. And then you multiply that times the number of employees pretty soon. You're talking tens of thousands of dollars. So I think it will. Chris in the chat room made a comment that said, and I don't know where he got this information or where it came up, but he said, um, um, uh, he said that, was it one of the pizza places? Um, one of the pizza places has already, um, let go their delivery drivers because of the increase. Um, and I I mean, that's a, that is a consequence. That is a market consequence of those kind of things. And then, um, Tawny says, um, Exactly. It's cheaper to allow door delivery services to fill in the gap rather than have your own employees. Well, that's true. Um, And the irony of that whole situation is, is that we, the consumer, end up paying for it one way or the other. Right? Because we're going to pay more for delivery services now. We'll pay that dollar difference because, again, if there's a demand, we'll fill it. And it just it just shifts the it just shifts the model around. It's it's interesting to watch. This whole thing is super interesting. Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut said Chris uh, is who did it. Well, it's you know it's interesting, um, you know, and that's part of there's a whole problem with the whole minimum wage thing mandate anyway because in some cases they're trying to take jobs that were never meant to pay. A wage that you know, a living wage, I guess, a wage you could live on, where you could support a family. They're trying to take jobs like that and make them into jobs where you could try and support your family on, but they just they can't mandate that kind of stuff in a free market. Those are jobs where people are supposed to get their experiences. That's where they're supposed to learn about having a job and do those kind of things. It's supposed to be for kids. And unfortunately, what they're trying to do now is force a square peg into a round hole. It just doesn't anyway. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, follow, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do this thing. Here we go. Okay, well, here we are. 2024. What what are you, did you take time to make a new resolution for the year? Did you take time out and, and do that little bit of, what do they call it, psychoanalysis? Did you analyze yourself? Did you look at this last 2023? Because I'll be honest with you, 2023... In many ways, for me personally and professionally, was kind of a hot mess, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that happened, a lot of things going on, and it was it was uh, frustrating. And now we're going back and we're taking a look at it, and we're like, okay, how can you know what can be better? What can 
how can I make 2024 better? So did you resolve to do anything differently? Like I said, I mean, I've resolved doing something differently by basically trying to embody the serenity prayer of understanding what I can change and what I can't change, having that wisdom to know the difference and living my life, you know, that way and ignoring the things, just not investing time, effort, energy into things that I know that I cannot change. So what did you resolve this year? Does did anybody else out there resolve to do something different? Um, I'm going to open up the phones. Why not? First time for 2024. Let's have a short, let's have a short segment on call in where you can tell me what your resolution is. I mean, do you think my resolution is naive? Do you think that it is without merit or has it encouraged you to kind of look at things in that same way? I'm, I'm curious. I'd like to hear what you have to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. Or maybe your resolution is something totally different. Maybe you've resolved to be healthier, and that seems to be the theme, right? Be healthier, eat healthier, work out more, do exercise, spend more time with the family, pay more attention to the little things in life, better yourself. I don't know. What what was it? It was a time. For me, my reflection all resolved and all revolved around the idea of um, the political and the show and everything else. And just, you know, stopping the mental energy drain of even, even though ancillary, even though we don't focus on national politics on this show, I still, you know, I still see it. I would still read about it. I would still, um, you know, go out and, and, throughout the day or, you know, in show prep, I would still do some reading on how some of that, and it was just, it was draining me. I'll be honest with you at the end of the year. And it's always tough at the end of the year. I've said this for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years, 15 years, however long I've been taking this, this Christmas vacation break. I think it's been 15 years now. I've been taking that two weeks off between Christmas and new year's. Well, the, you know what I mean? But I was still Um, I was still reading about things and, you know, trying to stay abreast of it so that I could be pertinent in conversations about national stuff and everything else. But I think that conversation with my daughter really drove it home for me that, you know, because people would be like, well, you know, the the presidency and the this and the Biden, the Trump, the the whoever. And I realized more than anything. I don't care. I just don't care because I don't think no matter who is in there, we are going to benefit in the long run because they're serving their own agendas there. I mean, it's just any, and it regardless, Alaska has never, ever, ever decided or even come close to deciding any kind of national political race. So while it's important to go out and still cast your vote, to focus on it and to dwell in it and to wallow around in it and to worry about it does nothing but increase your blood pressure, your stress levels. 
you know, face you to take Xanax, whatever it is that, you know, all the triggering things that happen there. It, it just, it, it doesn't, I, it, I could find myself caring less, you know, uh, about that. Now, what I do care about is what happens in the state. And again, I've had to reassess some of those things as well, realizing that I cannot get all spun up about what's going to happen in the coming session, because again, this session is, while not set in stone, the guidelines and the and the track for this session is already laid out. They're just going to run it. And all we can do is try and encourage, uh, you know, some fiscal conservatives to throw as many roadblocks in as they can in, during this next session. I mean, the good, the, the, the blessing of this, the curse and the blessing is, um, is that it's an election year. That's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because they are going to have the impetus. They're going to be incentivized to get in and get out of Juno as fast as possible. The potential of having a special session during an election year, pretty low because they want to get out there on the trail and start campaigning and doing their things and doing all that stuff. And uh, so that's the blessing. Uh, the curse is, is that, of course, at that point, they can pretty much, if they really have the horsepower, they can almost force anything down your throat in a short period of time to get it in and get it over with. There's nothing like a crisis to be able to, uh, you know, put things in that you regret later on. The other blessing of it is that now we have an opportunity coming in this next session to maybe change out some of the players and make some changes in there. I, I But again, remember, we've changed out a huge, huge component of the legislature. I mean, a big number of them. The problem is is the few that keep going back and their constituencies don't seem to have any interest in not sending them back again and again. And I'm talking about people like Bert Stedman, uh, you know, Louise Stutes, um, Click Bishop, uh, you know, some of these people who have been there for years, decades in some cases, and seem to have the blasé attitude of, you know, it'll be fine, fine, just fine. We're too big to fail. Don't worry about it. We're the adults in the room and just shut up and let us do our job. And until we are able to find some kind of counter offer for those people, we are going to be stuck in this same loop of, of doing what we've been doing. I mean, looking at the projections that Brad has laid out, um, which are not his projections, by the way. He's basically just in a chart form putting up the projections from the Department of Revenue, from the legislative finance or the budget, you know, the legislative budget people. He's putting up their numbers and their numbers are painting a picture that is not rosy. He's just kind of consolidated them down into one chart to show you here's what they're saying. Re you know, quit. Quit trying to listen to what the press release says. Quit listening to what the pressers. Here's what the numbers they're presenting say. And the numbers they're presenting say um, that it is not good. Yes, sure, production's up. Production's up. But the current fiscal outlook, based on the numbers from the Department of 
revenue from the legislative finance from the current law. All you got to do is look at that and see that next year, 2025, with the governor's proposed budget, $4.58 billion, excuse me, $5.48 billion, that we're running a hundred, a $1.4 billion deficit, essentially. And then next year it's 1.6. And then it goes down a little bit. And then the next, then in four years, it's, you know, by 2030, we're running a $2 billion deficit. And this is assuming that the spending doesn't go up. This is assuming that the spending will be held back. It's, uh, I mean, it's a thing, folks. When you look at those numbers, you're like, wow. And that within eight short years, we're running almost a $2.5 billion deficit. Where does that money come from? There's not enough money in the PFD or the CBR and SBR to have to even fill that gap. What's going to happen then? So we need to start thinking longer term, I think, is my whole point here. We need to start thinking longer term on all this stuff. All right, we got time for one call here. I see that there's one call on hold. Let's go over there and see what they have to say. Uh, we'll start off uh, right now. Good morning. Happy New Year. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Are you with me? Apparently, they are just hanging out there, not talking. All right. Well, that's fine. We'll just uh, keep uh, we'll keep on rolling then. They apparently uh, don't want to talk to us. We will uh, we'll move ahead. That sounds good to me. Let's move ahead. Let's let's move ahead to Chris. I could use my I could use my uh, PMA boost here right now. So Chris Story will be joining us an hour uh, to the final segment here. Up next, we'll get a little positivity for the new year. Maybe we'll tell he'll tell us what his resolution is. We'll get a little bit of a, a little bit of a readout here. Back with more, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, I don't know why the caller. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on here. Hold on a second here. Let me see this. All participants yep. are muted. Yep, so that works good. So I can hear it. Uh, caller, are you there? Nope, apparently not. Let's go over to the other caller here. We'll try this one out instead. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Randy in Fairbanks. Uh, I did call before, and I couldn't hear a ring and didn't hear your voice, but I called again. Oh, okay. Well, there, there, there you are. Quickly, Randy, if you want to give me your thoughts real quick before I bring Chris on, now's the time to do it. Okay. I was just going to say that, in fact, Alaska did determine a presidential race, and that occurred in the year 2000 between uh, George W. Bush and Gore. Uh, it was such a close election that any uh, red state that went for Bush could be considered as being decisive, and that includes Alaska because it was just 
won by two or three electoral votes, and had we voted for Gore in Alaska, Gore would have won. Well, I guess you could say that. I mean, with the hanging chads and everything else, but <clears throat> that is the exception, not the rule. Still I guess there? I would say, if that's the if that's the oh, case, there, Randy. Did you make any resolutions for the year? I cannot hear you anymore. Randy, can you hear me, Randy? I Hello. Can hear you now. I, I couldn't hear you before. All right. <clears throat> well, thank you, Randy. Uh, I appreciate Hello. it. I don't know what's going okay. on there. But uh, New Year's, it's the New Year's blues. Thank you for calling in, Randy. Uh, let me get uh, let me get Chris Story on the phone here. How about that? Let's uh, let's uh, let's let's get Chris Story on the telephone here. Um, there we go. There we go. Let me get Chris Story on the phone uh, on the phone here. I'm sure Randy was talking and I hung up on him, so I apologize, Randy. Um, I mashed the wrong button. All right, here we go. Let's get Chris Story on the phone and see what's happening with him. Look at that. Works good. I kind of like the tranquil waters and bird sounds. That was nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just a little way to make sure that I'm, it's a little thing I play to make sure I know my phone is connected. That was the important right. part. Um, it's fantastic. It's very meditative. Yeah. Well, you know, that's what we're working on this year. It, it, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot I had your alternate headshot up here on the uh, on the show. Uh, that's just beautiful, oh. man. That's just beautiful. Oh, it my, with my silky mane of hair. With your Fabio hair. I just, I can't yeah. even hardly look at it. It's so hysterical. But <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there you for this. Stop one. looking. I'll make sure I pull, can't I'll, stop looking at I'll, it. I'll pull this down next, uh, next show, but I'm going to leave it up there just for this time because. One time I, I, cause I used to do a series of ads in the Homer news where uh, the graphic team and I would come up with, I would come up with something and then they would do the Photoshopping. And one time it was this uh, like bodybuilder guy on top of a white horse and my head on it and anyway tiffany got such a great kick out of it and later i said something about well, they did a pretty good job putting my face on there she goes i didn't notice there was a face oh, <laughs> there was a face there that was the okay. what face yeah, yeah what you talking about that's great um all right so what um um I guess what what's what's going to be the what's going to be the 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 meaning or the uh, lesson for today, sir? Let go so you can get going. Let go so you can get going. Did you did you spend any time in self reflection? I mean, I know you spend time in self reflection a lot, but did you spend any time specifically for your resolution time this year? Um. Well, yeah. But that's kind of a daily practice. So, yeah. it's like, it's just another day. But at the same time, um, it's still monumental because it's a brand new year, clean slate, all that good stuff. Okay. Well, good. Um, this picture makes you feel like you're the guru of positivity. You're the guru of some cult that's come in here to tell us about how to think <laughs> positive. I'm loving this. This is going to be the. Okay. So, we're going to. Mail your checks to. Uh, you know, exactly. Exactly. So we're going to, we're going to work on that. Um, all right. Well, we're about 45 seconds out here, so I'm going to put you back on hold and we're going to do that. Um, Monty says my resolution is to continue to do my, uh, pay it forward vehicle thaws for the Fairbanks community. Gag, okay, That's awesome. Monty. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Uh, Brian said his uh, New Year's resolution is to be more ungovernable. I I can, you know, I I totally agree with that. Again, my whole resolution is basically to try and live that whole serenity prayer thing of understanding what I can change and what I can't change, having the wisdom to know the difference, and just not giving any engagement to or brain space to anything, mental energy to any of those things that I just cannot control. Even though I'd cut myself off from a lot of that stuff, it is... <clears throat> It's, I, I feel at, I feel at peace with this. Um, I, I feel at peace with it. All right. Is that the Bambi soundtrack? No, it was just some peaceful wooded sounds. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke show, Common Sense Radio. The Michael Duke show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. So Randy was polite to point out to me that we actually did decide a presidential race one time. That was the Gore 2000 because of the hanging chads. And he's right. He's right. I should not. But I still don't care. I just still I'm going to go vote, but I'm just not going to get all worked up about it. Speaking about not getting all worked up into a lather, uh, our guru of positivity is with us. The one, the only Chris Story, who, uh, I mean, I just asked him during the break if he had taken the time to do some self-reflection and create a New Year's resolution. And he's like, oh, it's an everyday thing for me. He's old hat. He's doing it. But today he's going to teach us how to let go and more. Uh, Chris Story joins us. Hello, my friend. How are you? Wonderful and happy New Year. And I don't mean to, to suggest that it isn't a big deal, the turning of the clock and carrying off of the page of the calendar to the next i think it's important and starting with a clean slate is important but more to the point i i'm hoping that anyone who's interested would take up resolutions goal setting affirmations as a daily practice it's just rather than waiting for one because if you if it's almost like fasting to lose weight uh -huh. um because when you then you get in front of that buffet and it's like oh you just can't stop and so I think it's it's important to make it a part of a daily practice. But that's you know it sounds arrogant. So I'll no I'll no no. I think that. it. I think you're right. Uh, it is important. Um, and uh, you know I kind of resolved one of my secondary resolutions is to resolve to take more time to quietly because we're so we're so inundated by the hustle bustle of everything. Right. I mean, our phones, our work, our computers, our tablets, our you know wherever we are, we're just constantly under a barrage. And I've, my secondary resolution is to take a few minutes every day, just, you know, whether it's at my desk or here in the studio or whatever, just a peace and quiet and to think uh, and quietly just, you know, analyze what I'm going to do for the day or what's going on. You know, me meditation, I guess, is what I could call it, just to meditate for a moment on what, you know, what's happening and what I can do to change it and what I can't change and to prioritize what I'm focusing on. And to, to focus during that time and to make your daily practice not a bunch of noise in your mind and, and oh, I should have, would have, could have, I can't believe I haven't done that yet, or by my age, I should have already. All those thoughts that begin to just spin and circle in your mind, letting go so you can get going is a big part of having a daily practice or having 
goals or having aspirations in life that you'd like to move closer to or towards. And so letting go so you can get going. About four days ago, four or five days ago, my daughter texted me. My daughter Ashley is an incredible artist. And she texted me and said, do you have, it's a strange question, but do you have any blank canvases around? And I happen to have uh, a half a dozen or so blank canvases that I'd ordered in for an art project I want to do. And I said, yeah, I brought one over. And she said, thank you. I, she had been painting over some old paintings that she had done and she had put a, a white coat over them, but it was going to take a couple of days for those to dry. And she was in the mood to just paint something fresh. And I thought, what an interesting idea. And we know that masters throughout time have painted over the top of maybe even two or three iterations of a canvas that we may know as, you know, the, the one piece, but underneath it are many other masterpieces that they just painted over. And it's that clean slate concept and saying, you know what, this moment, this wonderful moment is what I've got. Oh, I could be thinking about the whole year. Maybe I've got the whole year planned. Maybe I have goals set for this entire year. But this moment right here, if you don't let go of what's come before and get going into the next year, the next moment, the next day, you're going to be stuck in that old cycle. So maybe, maybe you need to apologize to somebody. And if it's necessary, then you should. Or maybe you need to let go of your end of the stick of an argument. Just let it go. Let go of what the argument you won, because a lot of times we'll go back over and relive something. But yeah, I really, I really got that was good, man. I just I won that argument. I won that debate. Today is the moment where we take the white paint and paint over the top of what's been, so we can have a fresh canvas to get started with this moment and this year's masterpiece. I mean, I think that's great advice. I think, again, it kind of folds into what I was just saying, letting go of the things that we can't change, letting go of the old stuff and moving on to something yeah. new. Uh, what's your suggestions for people who maybe didn't take the time during the New Year's holiday or Christmas or New Year's holiday and are now they're like, oh, it's 2024, it's more of the same. What's your what's your admonition to them uh, as far as, you know, figuring things out and getting that fresh start for 2024? could be overwhelming, especially if you look back over this past year or an entire lifetime, and maybe you're filled with regrets, or maybe you're filled with just adoration for what you've already done and accomplished, and it's wonderful. Don't let go of that. Don't let go of the experiences. Don't let go of what you've learned along the way. Maybe, maybe you do want to let go of a few things you've accumulated. Yesterday, I spent a day um, in my studio, and well, I should say the day. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It wasn't you. Go ahead. Oh, it's like goodbye. Don't say goodbye to me, Michael. I'm mid-sentence. Um, so I spent an hour and a half. It felt like the whole day. I spent an hour and a half in the studio, and I just got rid of so much stuff. I'm like, why was I hanging on to this? And I let go of it, and now I can move on. I have a piece of radio equipment uh, that I picked up uh, 16, 17 years ago. Never used it. Never going to use it. Don't use regular traditional phone lines anymore. I'm like, why am I hanging on to this? Let it go. Move on. The money's been spent. Let go of it. Maybe it's habits. Maybe you need to let go of an old habit that is no longer serving you. Or again, going back to the argument or the debate or the familial strife, something a family member said or did or didn't do or didn't say, or didn't acknowledge. Let it go. Let go of your end of the stick so you can get going and not get stuck. Willie Nelson's got this great tune out. I think he put it out a year and a half or so ago. Energy follows thought. It is so true. 
where are you putting your energy? It's a little bit like taking a deep breath. If you hold that breath and you do not let go of it, you can't take more and you'll die. So you've got to breathe in, breathe out, let go of what's been, reward yourself where necessary, applaud yourself. But now this moment is the time to start with a clean slate and move forward. And Gary Keller, so coming back to your question, what do you do if you've not done anything so far or this isn't a daily practice? Gary Keller wrote a book called The One Thing. And he said, what's the one thing that if you do it, everything else will become less important or unnecessary, either in your life or in business? Focus on that one thing. Look, going back to city slickers, what's your one thing? And maybe that's where you start. But I think a lot of it is letting go. And if you don't let go and make room for that one thing to take over or to focus on it, you're going to keep going back to those old habits or those old arguments or the old you that you no longer wish to be. So let go so you can get going. It's funny that you and I kind of are on parallel tracks here because, again, that's kind of what I came up with was the, the you know, letting go, letting go of things that I can't affect or control. Uh, letting things control me that that shouldn't control me, you know, emotions or feelings or things. I was having a conversation with my son, uh, and he's having a he's having some interpersonal challenges with some people in a friend group. Uh, they've been friends for ten years, and and he was going on and on about oh this person and that person and they're you know and it's like fighting that's going on in the, that he's on the outside of. And at some point, I just looked at him and said, "And what can you do about it?" And he said, well, nothing. And I said, well, then why are you getting so spun up about it? Well, they're my friends. I understand they're your friends. But at some point, if you can't control it, you shouldn't let it consume. I mean, he was consumed by this thing. And I see that all the time. People, whether it's relationships or jobs or things like that. And and I think my epiphany this, this season in my self-reflection over the holidays was one, I need to do more self-reflection because this should have come to me much earlier in the year. But two, is that there are just things that we cannot have an effect on or have a control on. And really the only control that it has over our life is what we give it. And I should just stop focusing on those things because it doesn't, you know, I need a fresh start. And that's, I think, you know, you're exactly right. Yeah, I, that's interesting about your your son's situation. That's fantastic advice. Um, and and actually, <clears throat> just thinking about the way you handled it, sometimes you know we go to somebody with a problem, and it's like going to a light post or a lamp post. Sometimes we're looking for illumination. Sometimes we're just looking for support, something to lean against. And I think identifying the difference and who do you want to be? Do you want to be illumination in the world, or do you just want to be support? and for people to, to hang around and lean against. And you get to decide, there's no judgment out there. But I think in this idea of, of letting go of either concerns or worries, or to your point, letting go of the idea or illusion you could control, something that is well outside your control. Um, if you let go of that, you're, you're gonna probably find that this moment and the next and all the future moments you've got this year are gonna feel clearer, gonna feel more alive, more present, and that's why one of my philosophies has been for a number of years, well, since I wrote the book, Born to Live in 2018, look forward, learn from your past, and live in the present. And that, that idea of living in the present is incredibly difficult. It's easy to oh, say, yeah. 
it's yeah. much more difficult to practice. No, that's exactly. I, I said that earlier uh, when I was talking about my vacation is that I just lived in the mo- I stopped focusing on, oh, what's coming in the next year? Oh, what's this? Oh, what's good? You know, the if all this other kind of stuff. And I just I focused over my vacation as best I could living in the moment. And I realized this is a good place to be. Yes, there are still things that we need to figure out and focus on and plan for and do all that, but we get so caught up in everything. We don't live in the moment, the joy of the moment, what can be, you know, peaceful and joyful. And we, we forget that. Yeah. And forgive yourself. That's a big piece of a, of a daily practice for me, but also refocusing at this time of the year, you know, the first, second, third day of the year, you've got this clean slate, forgive yourself for what you haven't accomplished haven't done yet didn't do or say that you think you you should have and just forgive and forgive the people in your life that maybe have done you wrong or didn't do what they said they were going to do forget put that clean slate up on the easel and start painting moment by moment chris story the man from homer that pretty much wraps it up for today my friend any final thoughts quickly here 20 seconds or so Happy New Year, and, and I look forward to another great year with you. I can't wait. I'm, uh, like I said, I'm rejuvenated. January is always good for me for that. Thank you, my friend. Hold the line for just a second. Folks, we're out of time. Tomorrow is Wednesday. I don't know who's going to be on. Maybe Mike Shower, maybe not. Uh, I know it'll be you and me. We'll continue this. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. I wanted to give Chris one final bite because we kind of squeezed him there at the end. Uh, final thoughts to summate, my friend, on letting go. We should just cue the music for Frozen, somebody said. Let it go, let it go. I don't even know what the song is, but I understand the concept of letting it go. Let's go. One final thought. Uh, go and get going. I'm sorry. I had you muted, unfortunately. Oh, you muted. So that's okay. I hate it when it's, I do uh, that. But go ahead. Your final thought. I was just, I was just saying. You know, it's important to keep those two things in perspective. To let go in order to get going. And I love the visual. And I can't remember where I heard it first, but just that idea of letting go. You're into the stick. Probably Stephen Covey. That then I know it was. Right, Stephen right, Covey right. Talked a lot about that. Let go of your end of the stick. Of yeah. Either debate or argument. I mean, you are great at debating people and this is why uh politically i sort of you know went into a submission position pretty early in our relationship (laughs) like okay i i can't debate this guy politically and i'm not even gonna try um you're good at that And and i would love to see you help people um you know maybe one segment a week or something where you help people debate and and have uh, clear thoughts around their idea before they ever get to the debate stage, because I think that's a big piece of it, is the critical thinking. But letting go what what we haven't done, did do, said, should have said, didn't say, all of that. Um, my last thought would just be this, and, and I quote this pretty often because it's so powerful, especially when you see the loss of life. It seems ever-present. Social media exa- really exacerbates it or brings it home and focuses it. Treat every person you meet as though they could be gone at midnight, yeah. said Augmandino. And if you do that, you'll help bring yourself back to that present moment and say, wait a minute. Okay, this person's driving me insane right now. What if they were gone? What if I saw a poster, got a call tomorrow that they were gone? You know what? That helps us reframe and put everything into perspective because 
it's, it's a lot less important than maybe we would think in that moment if we were to put that perspective on it. It's good stuff. Living in the moment, letting go, getting a fresh start, understanding what you can change and what you can't change, and focusing on the important stuff. Chris Story, thank you, my friend. It's good to talk with you, my sir. My pleasure, Michael. We'll talk to you soon. Folks, tomorrow's another day. We will see you tomorrow. Have a good one. our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show